everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Luck, and I'm along with my co-worker, Jordan Bianchi. We are motorsports writers here at The Athletic, and today we're here to talk about NASCAR at Kansas, IndyCar at Texas, and Formula One in Portugal. Lots of stuff to talk about. Jordan, how are you doing today? I'm good. Lots to talk about. Uh, really a, a jam-packed racing weekend. We had IndyCar last night as well, Truck Series race. So lots to discuss and lots of tire issues to discuss because that's what happened in a couple of races this weekend. Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's kind of weird how this uh, this tire, uh, just this stray tire, I guess, off Tyler Reddick's car um, became this whole story today at Kansas. But, I mean, it really did change the outcome of the race. And I kind of went back and forth on it. Um, so at first when, you know, so the, the tire rolls into the infield grass and we've seen before, certainly that when that happens, they often let it cycle through, but I don't know that they often let it cycle through to the point where the, it's 15 laps cycle through. Like, it's more like, all right, we're in the middle of pit stops. Everybody's coming in at the same time. You know, they'll, they'll finish these three laps and then they'll call the caution or something. Right. But mm-hmm. to let it go for 15 laps and then call it. And then with like Chris Busher's team playing sort of a game of chicken with them, uh, to say, Oh, we know you're going to call it. We know you want to call the caution. Um, and then they, uh, you know, they finally do it. So it, it, that sort of struck, I think a lot of people, including me, you know, you're just like, Ooh, I don't know about that. But then Jordan, after the race. Yeah. And this is where my mind changed too, I think, or yes, my opinion changed too. Yes. Um, the competitors, you know, all asked separately that we all got, they all basically said, no, that's what we expected them to do. And so, you know, I don't know if there's a better solution than that. So to me, whether it's a weird looking caution or not, if the competitors, if that's what you, if that's what they expect, if that's the consistency, whether it's a weird looking caution and be like, okay, well, how come that tire suddenly became unsafe when it wasn't 15 laps earlier? doesn't really fit the traditional definition of a caution. They expected that. So then I sort of started to soften on it. You know what I mean? I agree with that. My opinion kind of changed too. I was, I was very militant. I'm like, if this is a safety issue on lap one, it's an, it's a safety issue 15 laps later. There has to be a caution. You, you can't wait for it. But then, as you said, we Kyle Larson, Kyle Bush, Brad Keselowski. Um, ben Bayshore. Yeah. And Benedetto were, too. Yeah, we're all fine with it. And, and I understand why they were fine with it. They benefited by this. So what I'm curious is, is what somebody Larson like, didn't, I mean, uh, Larson did to some degree. He didn't know the details of it though. I mean, he, he didn't, you yeah. know, he was, I mean, it's let's, you know, and that's what a lot of these guys said too, is that they're, they're in the middle of this. They don't know the logistics of it. Kyle Bush kind of went into it after being explained to it a little bit, but Larson didn't know the details of it. He's, that was the first he had heard about it. So, you know, if he hears about, if he goes back tomorrow and you ask him this question and he's looking at this tape, I don't think his opinion is going to be the same. I think it would probably be different. I think if you were helped by this, you probably were fine with it. And if you were hurt, you're, you're screaming bloody murders. Well, you know, <laughs> this is a caution. So I think it depends on your perspective. Yeah. I mean, that that's potentially true, but the way that they were all like, I mean, look, I think the, the answer is, do you throw it? Do you throw it three or four laps you don't throw it right away because that's not that's not consistent if you're NASCAR, yeah. right? So do you wait a few laps, let everybody who is going to pit at that moment pit, and then throw it, and then that benefits Chris Busher, yeah, um, or whoever decides not to stay out. That's 
not necessarily consistent. But I guess the the problem is it's it's still it's like what is a caution? Is is a caution for safety or not? And I think that we've gotten in the NASCAR world, everybody's gotten so far away from even viewing. You know, cautions are a competition caution. They're for stage breaks. They're so far away from the traditional definition of a caution now that it's almost kind of like, well, I don't, I don't really know what's what everybody's upset about in that case. You know what I mean? Like if if they're going to use it, you know, NASCAR's explanation to back up for a second was, you know, we we're comfortable enough that it was far enough off the safety uh, the racing surface that it could sit there for a while but we still had to go get it at some point that was there. So, you know, it's late in the race. I hate changing the outcome of the race because you can trace so many things back and we will. Um, that I mean, that was, that was still a race changing caution. I, I just, I'm the fact that the competitors largely lined up and said, no, that's fine. You know, Keselowski, everybody, I mean, who people who are outspoken typically, they were, they were fine with it. It seemed like yeah. so. Yeah, I mean, to NASCAR's credit, they were fairly consistent in how they they ruled this. It was a little elongated than usual, but that that is their standard, uh, you know, procedure, which is to let this play out. You know, the question is, should that be the procedure? Right. <laughs> well, know, yeah, and, that, and that's that's true. And that that that's my question is, and again, it goes back to what I said, which is, if this is a safety issue, if you've got to go get the tire because someone spins in that tire and launches the tire, whatever. Um, then it's a caution and it's unfortunate that it may benefit some people and, may, and it's going to hurt some other people. That's just the breaks of the game. That that's sports. Um, what should know. a caution, what, what, what is the reason that NASCAR should throw a caution in your mind? Safety. First and foremost, safety. If there is an immediate safety issue, the caution needs to come out, then there no delay. And that's the only reason that a race should ever be stopped. No, I mean, first and foremost, that's the reason. I mean, there's all sorts of reasons. I mean, we've had guys sitting on catch fences before, and that was a caution. So, I mean. Well, that's safety, but. Yeah, I mean, it's safety and stupidity. It's coming. But, I mean, I mean, safety, uh, debris on the track. Uh, well, that's fluid. safety. That's safety. That okay, all goes so back to I mean, safety, it, right? That's the, basically the umbrella, then, is everything is going to fall under safety. I mean, that's, Right, but that's not the NASCAR way. The na- they stop it for entertainment reasons with stage breaks. Sure. Two, two times a race. So yeah. there's clearly more reasons in the NASCAR world to stop a race, right? Yeah. I mean, there's rain. I mean, there's all, I mean, there's all, oh, you know, that's safety also. Well, I mean, yeah, I suppose, but, but it's also common sense, but I, I hear what you're saying, but it's just, there's all, I mean, there's all sorts of reasons though, beyond just safety though, of why races can be stopped. I mean, stage breaks, the perfect example. Um, we've had a race stop before for, uh, Coke 600 was, uh, they had a remembrance Remember a few years ago. I, I forgot Absolutely, the circumstances. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it, there are different reasons why, uh, but that's in NASCAR. Yeah. And, and right? again, that, and that's something I didn't like either. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, so anyway, I, I, I'm, you know, I remember there was a Carl Edwards rant, um, that's still somewhere on YouTube a few years ago. And, <laughs> and you know, this was pre stages and he was basically like, are we clear that, you know, the reason safety's yellow flags exist, you know, are because to stop a race for a safety condition and otherwise it should play out. But again, going back to what I was saying earlier, we're so far from that in the NASCAR world now that I think there are probably some other acceptable reasons. And if that's, you know, if NASCAR wanted to say modified safety, like we were kind of concerned, but not really concerned, you know, just like, it's just like a piece of debris that's like off the apron. And they're like, well, we want to go get this at some point, but we don't need to get it immediately. 
you know yeah, you're cringing I, I, at that one i understand one. that thinking but to me this is the same this thing is though a, this is a bigger you know what if is uh, all it takes is one car to go sliding through there into that tire and that tire all of a sudden is you know launched into the air and not at kansas hill. though the kansas just, infield is huge massive I understand. You just massive don't, ball field you, again you don't know i mean you there's all sorts of scenarios where we've been like oh that happened okay i, I never thought that was going to happen and to me I, I start looking at that and say okay and again if this is something that is, is necessary to do on lap 15, there's nothing that changed in the last few laps that shouldn't prevent you from calling that caution before. I mean, again, we're, we're nitpicking a little bit, but it, it just seems – I think if I'm Roush Fenway Racing, I'm a little upset today. Like, I mean, you know, why are – you know, the, these are the circumstances. You can't – you can't – the races play out in unusual manners and the different things happen. And today it was a loose tire on pit road. And the comeback is as well. Somebody could purposely let a tire go on pit road to help their teammates or anything like that. Well, if that's the case, then we'll deal with that and we'll issue some penalties and we'll, we'll curb that real quick. And I, I just, I get hung up on this, but again, some of these guys were pretty fine with it and they're pretty okay with this. And this is kind of the standard procedure that this is. Um, I, I would like to hear from guys though, who were impacted this, you know, negatively. And again, Larson, I would love to have him go back and, and look at this. I would like to hear from his crew chief, Cliff Daniels, who had a very good viewpoint of all this unfolding what, on what he thought. So let's talk about the things that happened sort of as a result of this, right? Uh, you had Denny Hamlin who was going to have now, of course, Denny Hamlin probably wasn't going to win the race, but he was going to have a top five. He's the points leader anyway. So you could say it really doesn't matter, but his race, uh, ultimately because of the caution, uh, they get bunched up again. His race gets ruined because he ends up, uh, taking himself out essentially. Right. While Kyle Larson's putting pressure on him, hits the wall, then blows a tire, hits the wall again. And he finishes, uh, 12th, I guess, yeah. instead of, you know, um, you had Kevin Harvick. He ends up finishing second. Um, I don't know that he would have finished second. He, he first, he had a penalty because uh, on that pit stop, then he ends up rallying back. Um, you had both JTG cars get taken out of the race by Christopher Ooh. bell. So they're probably not too happy of how that caution sequence went down. Uh, and then, uh, let's see who else Austin Sindrick, yeah. Austin Sindrick. Um, so yeah, there's, I mean, there's a bunch Ryan of things Blaney. that happened there. <laughs> Ryan Blaney. That's right. Because of the final yeah. restart, he would have had a, a great day. Top five for sure. Uh, that's gone. He ends up finishing 21st. So, yeah, a lot of, uh, you know, in addition to Larson, who Larson should have won the race. Larson was the best car. As we expected going in, we yep. talked about this beforehand. Larson on mile and a half tracks right now is the guy to beat. He's going to be the guy to beat. Hendrick in general shows up with the best cars. And instead of winning the race, uh, the best Hendrick car was fifth. Um, William Byron finished ninth and Larson was, uh, 19th. So Larson was the lowest running Hendrick car today. I mean, it's yeah, just... and there's nothing today about the outcome that changes my opinion about Kyle Larson, what to expect out of him. I mean, we, we knew he was going to be very fast today. The fact that he started 32nd was in the top 10 within 15 laps, um, quickly asserted himself. I'm still trying to figure out how he didn't win stage one. <laughs> I don't quite figure that out. Um, but did win stage two going away. And, and probably should have won this race. And it's one that can be got, you know, got away from them a little bit, but the speed they have where they have been good at this year, to me, again, this lays out, there's no reason to think 
we wrote about in the athletic this week that he's not going to pick up a couple a couple wins probably over the next month it feels like and certainly over the course of the year this is this is going to be a big big year for Kyle Larson well we keep saying that you're right and I keep feeling that way but I also expect him to capitalize on yeah. a day like today on a day like to Atlanta you know that's Two, two mile and a half tracks now where he's completely dominated, should have won, and didn't win either of them. Um, he should have at least three wins, if not four, maybe. Um, I mean, when you look back at um, Homestead, he probably would have had a shot. Uh, Daytona Road Course, you know, yeah, I don't know if he would have yeah. won, but he was he good there, yeah. He uh, took you know, himself the, the encouraging, out. Yeah, the encouraging thing for him, wins aside, is if you're looking at this and, and assuming – that Hendrick's speed continues throughout the course of the year, which we don't know that it will because, you know, seasons go, you know, teams go up, teams go down. But assuming the speed is there that it is now, if you're looking at the playoffs and how the playoff schedule sets up, the la- the semifinal round has a race at Texas and-, and has a race at Kansas. And those are two very, very good tracks for him where he should be good and should be a threat to win. That has to be encouraging to know that, hey, if push comes to shove and we're in this, you know, we're in the playoff haunt, we've got two tracks in that semifinal round. We have a good opportunity to win that race. Now that can bite you in the butt. Kevin Harvick last year, for example, kind of had that attitude as well, and it didn't work out for him. But it does have to give you a little bit of reassurance of, hey, we've got two tracks. We we know we can get the job done. It. Yeah, I I'm um I'm increasingly seeing this sort of divide though between the seven fifties and the five fifties. Um, yeah, and it keeps creeping into my mind that, and I think we touched on this a little bit last week, but you know, the fact that the season ends with two seven fifties, it seems like such a different group of drivers. Normally it's like, Oh, you know, one team is, they're just fast Mm -hmm. every week. And this, this year it's like, okay, this, this, you know, Hendrick, for instance, they look great on the, on the five fifties, but are they the best on the seven fifties? I don't know. Gibbs, they don't look so great on, um, you know, on, on some, some of the certain tracks that, you know, like Kyle Busch was talking about, depending on the situation, they can blow the rear tires off the, off their cars, uh, after 30 laps at the 750 tracks right now, they don't have a good handle on them. They feel like, but at the same time, it's like Martin Truex juniors look like the short track master. So yeah, he's got two wins this year on, to, on exactly. those kind of tracks. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, so it, it's, it's not the Kyle's same group point. though. Yeah, no, it, it, you make a great point. And Kyle mentioned this in the post race press conference, which is the same thing is there, there's certainly a divide and it's, you have to be able to discern of, of who's good where um, last year, Penske was really good in those five fifty or seven fifty track, you know, short track races, the flat ovals basically. And it paid off for them well. And they got two cars in the championship where somehow they lost the championship at Phoenix. Um, but there, there's definitely, it's not, you don't have to be well-rounded. It doesn't feel like you don't have to be good everywhere. You don't even have to be good at most places. You just have to be kind of good in one certain area. And that, to some extent, is the 750. Now, I don't know, as I look at the playoffs, there's a lot of 550 tracks that are out there that I don't necessarily want to throw away. But more often than not, though, I mean, if you look at it, you've got a super speedway, you've got a road course, you've got Martinsville, you've got Phoenix, and I'm leaving a couple out at Richmond. I mean, you could probably get away with if you're a really good team of just kind of focusing in on the 750 stuff. That that's probably where your area of emphasis should be. Bristol, um, yeah, that's a good point. Bristol too. Um, I'm looking at the points here now, and this is really—I mean, we've been saying it all year. This is not not like some 
you know, amazing analysis, but talk about a wide open year. I mean, 10 different winners now in, in 11 races. Um, no, nobody dominating in terms of playoff points. Uh, you know, I, 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 it's sort of remarkable how everybody that you're expecting to check off wins, except the ones we most thought would win races this year has done that. Okay. So we have 10 different winners. We have three people who haven't won yet that we think are going to win. Hamlin, Elliot, Harvick. They are first, seventh, and eighth in points. That leaves three spots left. Currently on those three spots on points are Dylan in 11th, Busher in 15th, and DiBenedetto in 16th. So behind them, Kurt Busch, Tyler Reddick, Stenhouse really hurt himself today, fell four spots out. Um, Newman, Bubba, Suarez. I can't really sit here today and be like, okay, one of those guys is going to win and snatch a spot. Even though this has been crazy, unpredictable season, all these different winners, I think we're about to run out of different winners pretty soon. So my question to you is, do we think that Dylan, like at 11th, is safe on points? Like if he's able to stay there? Busher to Benedetto, he, can they make it on points being in the top 16 like that? Dylan has shown in the past, and I think he's underrated in this regard, of being able to string together solid finishes where you look at it at the end of the day, you're like, oh, wait a second, this guy finished in the top 10. And today is a perfect example where he was just quietly ran in the top 10 all day, got into the fence late, and still was able to recover and leave with a good finish. To me, that's encouraging. He's been in this position before where he's had to really kind of nickel and dime his way into the playoffs. I don't see why he can't do that again. The, the question is, for me, is I worry about Stenhouse, and, and there's a path for him to the playoffs we've talked about in this podcast, and the path is maximizing your day in your finishes every single week. And today, it, it certainly feels like they threw away a bunch of points. I don't Even know. before the crash, in my opinion. Absolutely. Even before the that, crash. That the long, long pitting day. thing. I did not get that for a team that's already in. Like, if you're going for the Hail Mary kind of thing. Yes. That makes more sense to me. Like Suarez's situation with Travis Mack long pitting him there makes more sense. But like Stenhouse had been so successful successful this year, getting himself into the top 16 in points because he was getting top 15 finishes. So why would you sort of risk so much to throw that away in a race where there hadn't been any cautions to that point? You know, like, and, and they, I think they were around 20th when they tried that. They came out 26th or something like that. And, and then he gets in two wrecks. He was in the back of the field trying to push. That, that's Brian Patty's MO. And that has long been his strategy call on these kind of races where they're out of it a little bit is to gamble and, and hopefully net enough positions, um, you know, through a fortuitous caution. Now, it is certainly a risk. I don't know if I would have taken that considering their circumstances, but that's his MO. That's how Brian Patty is as a crew chief. And he's long been that way. And that's not going to change. Whether you agree with it or not, it is. But that's just who he is. Well, now they find themselves That doesn't give you any confidence that they're going to figure this out the rest of the way. I mean, they've got one top 10 finish. They've got, and that came at Bristol. There's no more Bristol dirt races on the schedule. I just, to me, they, they really can't afford to have too many more bad races. Because I look at the guys before, man. You know, uh, Tyler Reddick, to me, is, is somebody that I am concerned. If I was on the playoff bubble, I look at a guy like Tyler Reddick, He's capable of getting a win. I mean, he was running really strong at a point today, running in the top three, top four consistently, kind of faded a little bit, had an issue on pit road, had a penalty, still rallied back and had a decent finish. 
there is something there with that team. They, they've got speed and enough and burst, and he's got enough ability. And Randall Burnett is a good crew chief to put him in a position. I wouldn't be surprised that somewhere along the way they figure this out and end up stealing and win. Yeah, but it's got to be the right kind of track, and he's suddenly sort of losing the tracks that are best suited for him that way, right? Like, so you've got to have the tracks where you can run up against the wall. We've already done a homestead now. Um, Kansas, the next Kansas race is in the playoffs. Uh, I guess there's another Atlanta race and he could potentially do well there at a place like that. But, um, his strengths, like he's got to sort of capitalize on these, uh, limited opportunities that he has. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, but, um, you know, again, and you know, you hate to sort of hammer on this situation, but the Bubba Wallace thing, uh, becomes more concerning because, you know, it, it seemed like today he had a top 10 car. Um, at least to start things off, he was running pretty solidly and, you know, I guess, you know, he's pushing up by the wall, ends up hitting the wall a few times, two, three times they take themselves out of the race. I, you know, it, it's almost like you want to, if, you, if you're on this team, you want to tell Bubba, Hey, like you need to reset. Like, let's just, okay. We, we can go for the wins. We can go for all that stuff, but let's just get a race where we have a, just a clean race and see where it leaves us. Right? Like, don't don't push things don't run up by the wall don't don't take any chance let's just can we just get a clean race here where nothing happens and instead they finished uh 26 today i think and he is 21st in points it's you know again still without a top 15 finish when when when's things going to change for this 2311 team and what's what has to change for them to have some good results I think you make a great point when you, the message to your driver has to be, listen, we, we know thing, the season hasn't started off the way we wanted it. We've, we've thrown away some good results. We're going in here today. We just need a good, clean, smart race. I think that's a great point by you. If that has to be the message to the driver. And today it felt like bubble was probably trying to do too much. They had some, they had some speed earlier in their car um, over about a five, 10 lap run in stage one. They, they, they were telling them they had, they had top five speed. But that speed kind of faded a little bit. But you, you got to maximize your day. And they're not doing that. And it's continued to be. Sometimes it's Bubba. Sometimes it's it's the crew. Sometimes it's circumstances. But week after week, it's just one race, potentially good finishes out the window. you, you got to do something because it just feels like it's a downward spiral. And the more this continues, the more it's going to – you feel like it's going to get worse because the, the pressure is only going to amplify. And then at some point, the questions are going to become – Wait a second. You're, you know, you're halfway through the season. You're three quarters of the way through the season. You guys, not not only do you have not have a win, you don't have a top five finish. You really have. You maybe you've got a one or two top ten finishes. The laps led really aren't nothing to write home about there. What's going on? To me, there, there's just not a lot to build off of right now. There's nothing encouraging really to say of like, wow, th- th- this was good. We can build off of this. It's just every week it's a continued shotgun blast to the foot. It's got to stop. Yep. Well, speaking of capitalizing on uh, their day, we have to talk about Kyle Busch and how he did that. It's just another instance um, of, you know, normally, again, going back to like, I would say, quote, normal season. I would say a, a team wins on a mile and a half track and we're able to say, okay, now this is something where we can say this team has strength. This team is a championship contender. This team is doing this, that. You know, the way that this race happened today, the way that like maybe Keselowski won or or Blaney when he won in Atlanta, 
you know, it's, it's like you see these guys, they win a race and you go, well, I don't really know how much we could take from that. Cause he wasn't really going to win. And he wasn't really the fastest car or the second fastest car or whatever, but the, but he won, you know, he, he capitalized on it. So good for him. Um, you know, he certainly lost more that, that he should have won probably. So from that standpoint, you can say, Hey, you know, he, he got one back, but I mean, this wasn't going to be Kyle Busch's day. Um, it ultimately is. He ends up, uh, on his birthday, 36 years old, ends up winning a race for the 17th straight year. That's pretty remarkable for this day and age. Everybody one seems to have an of off year and yeah, one short of the record. The so, record. Um, pretty cool there, uh, for him. And obviously we've seen well-documented on, um, social media and elsewhere that, uh, lots of stuff going on with his struggles, uh, with he and Samantha with infertility. They had another heartbreaking video posted this week where this latest round, um, didn't take for them, uh, really tough and your heart goes out to them. So he has that weighing on his mind and he's able to go and sweep Kansas weekend. Really interesting. Um, he said afterwards that, you know, didn't necessarily, you know, be in his head or affect him in the car, but afterwards and getting into the car and stuff, he's thinking about it a lot. So clearly it's, that's a lot to deal with. It is. And obviously with their, their situation's tough and, and it's, it can't be easy. I've never been in that position and I can't imagine the, the anguish and the frustration and the hurt and everything you're going through. Um, you know, kudos to him to continue to focus. Um, you know, his crew chief post race said he's never, it hasn't affected Kyle Bush. He hasn't seen it affect Kyle Bush, and he thinks Kyle Bush has continued to to bring it every single race. So, uh, to me, the, the big takeaway from this, if we're looking about on the racetrack, is the 18 team today, and, and they've done this the last few weeks or you know, is they've brought a race car to the track that has unloaded and been competitive. It hasn't been out to launch where they've had to take you know most of stage one into stage two to find the handle on it. And then they're having to overcome the, the, the lost track position and rally. We saw that at Homestead. It was kind of an up and down day. And, and Kyle found speed at the end and, and or Atlanta, excuse me. And that was really frustrating there. But since then, it seems like they've righted that ship and they have unloaded better. And that's allowed them to be in the ballpark and to position themselves. And today is a perfect example. They ran stage one, stage two. They were in the mix. They, they won a stage today. You know, they won stage one today. Um, that's not something we've seen first. That's Kyle Bush's first stage win of the year. And I'd be interested to know when the last time he won stage one is I don't have the stat in front of me. It, it doesn't happen often anymore since we've gone to this pandemic, you know, formula or, you know, format. And if you can get a ra- give Kyle Bush a race car at the beginning of a race that is reasonably competitive and he can run with everybody up front and he can maintain track position, that's a winning formula. And then that's something you can carry with you. And to me, that is encouraging sign of this team has figured it out a little bit, whatever that hurdle was, the disconnect, and it goes back to what they were doing at the simulator. wasn't being carried over to the racetrack a little bit. They, they figured that out and they've got that past them. Now this sets up well going forward. Yeah. Well, we'll be able to see if they're able to build on it. Uh, anything else from the, the NASCAR side of things you want to talk about before we, move into the IndyCar doubleheader at Texas and F1 in Portugal. I think we just got to make a quick note. Kevin Harvick today, second place finish. Um, yeah, I mean, it came with circumstances or anything, but he competitively ran in the top 10 all day. And going into this race, uh, we knew what Stuart Haas Racing's issues were on aero-dependent tracks. Mile-and-a-half racetracks, intermediate speedways were not their forte. We know they lost a lot of downforce over the offseason because of the inspection issues, and they've been struggling. 
And while Kevin wasn't in the same ballpark as the the five, the two, the 18, those cars, he still was running in the top 10, which is far different than he has at Atlanta and Homestead and, and Las Vegas this year. And, and to me, this is a very encouraging sign that they were still able to finish second place. And, you know, maybe this is a, you know, maybe Kevin Harvick and that four team are coming to life a little bit. Yeah, I, I actually thought, I, I think you had a good tweet about it. Um maybe in stage one or so where you said, you know, maybe the biggest surprise of this race is that Kevin Harvick's running in the top five, which is weird to say. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I agree with that. I mean, that we're almost expecting now, like, ah, they're not really going to be much of a factor and they were more, more of a factor today. They, you know, yeah. they didn't get up there and, you know, certainly show that they were going to win the race or anything like that, but, um, they were there. I mean, they were present every time you were typing the top five or top 10, they were pretty much up there. So, um, yeah, and that's more than can be said for them recently. So I, I agree with your sentiment there. So IndyCar, um, as we were doing this podcast, starting the podcast, uh, Pato Award wins the second of the Texas doubleheader after Scott Dixon won the first one um, Saturday night. And uh, Pato Award, first career IndyCar win. This is a guy who has come into IndyCar with a lot of hype and promise and uh delivers uh on an oval wins for the first time and he's going to get an f1 test that was promised to him by zach brown um, oh, in abu dhabi after the season he said uh hey look if you win an indycar race um we will give you that uh that test he's going to get one zach brown already tweeted so that's, that's cool for him um yeah. but paddle award exciting young guy and um yeah, what do you think of, of his win and, and IndyCar on the Texas Oval? Uh, not a surprise that Ward finally won a race. Came very close last year in a, in a terrific rookie year. Finished, I think he finished third or fourth in the point standings last year. This has been coming. It, it's, in, it's interesting to see McLaren finally put the pieces together on the IndyCar side of things because they've had spurts where they've looked good, but they haven't had consistency. Ward has come there, though, and given them consistency and good finishes. Now gets that win. It came on an oval, which I don't think anybody expected because he's, he's got a road course racing background, but he's a very good driver. Um, on his, on the second point of the weekend at Texas, do we, did Denny car really need 600 miles at Texas? Was anybody clamoring for this? Well, I tell you what, I mean, maybe you could say the old Texas before yeah. it was seemingly ruined, but it really hit home this weekend. How, you know, man, they really screwed up Texas. Um, you know, they, they tried to put the PJ one down and then they tried to grind it in with this, you know, if obviously for NASCAR, yeah. they did this for NASCAR. They tried to grind it in with the tires and all that stuff and created that, you know, when they repaved it, 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 it wasn't good. There's no grip. So they tried to make more grip. And now for IndyCar, they don't, you know, the last couple of times they've come there, they don't want the PJ one on the track, but it's, it's like stained. Mm -hmm. It's worked into the track to the point where they can't, like undo what they've done with the PJ one. If I'm understanding it correctly, it's not that the PJ one is still present on the track. It's, it's worked in, it's staying there. And so it's like ice. So you have this, you can see it on the track. Clearly, if you watched the IndyCar race this weekend, there's that one narrow lane on the bottom and that's where they have to race. And if they get out of that at all, they're crashing. Um, and that's not, that doesn't make for good racing because the whole point of like mile and a half racing for IndyCar was like this spectacular, hold your breath, thrills and side by side and just like this oh my gosh and now you know you just sort of have that like all right they're just racing on the bottom 
And if anybody gets out of it and makes a mistake, good luck they're crashing. <laughs> and yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's not, not good. It's not good racing at all. Really? No. No, I watched, uh, I, I didn't see it live last night. I was, I was on assignment and we, we I went back and watched it and the IndyCar race and, and that's, just, it was a bad, it was a bad, boring race last night. I don't know what else to say. I mean, Scott Dixon led what 206 laps or 212. Just, that's not good. That's not entertaining. And especially on a track that has that rich history of, of competitiveness, it's been that way for a while. You, you, the, the Texas thing, the, the conundrum at Texas Motor Speedway is interesting because the, the, the NASCAR races there aren't very good right now. The IndyCar race is no longer good there. You almost want to say, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to blow this whole damn thing up and start over because the, the current configuration we have at Texas is working for nobody. We are just going to blow it up and it's easy to spend other people's money. And I'm really, really good at that, but I don't know the other solution because it just, it is not working for anybody. Yeah. Do what Fontana did and just make it another short track, I guess. Yes. I and mean, that's the only reason that you would, you know, can really sell people on the racing there right now. Although the all-star race, we haven't talked about that uh, format was announced this week. They have um, <laughs> approximately five bajillion stages plus a bajillion calculations to do that adds up to two bajillion cool things. Everybody's excited about that. You, but I tweeted during the race say you could see why NASCAR wants a lot of restarts. Yeah. The restarts are very exciting. Yeah, so if you make an entire race. race of restarts and take even more horsepower away, so they're even closer together for even longer, you're going to have like a big restrictor plate-ish <laughs> restart fest. Uh, yeah. You know, as soon as they get strung out, stop the race again, calculate their thing, invert, and you know, <laughs> I guess it'll be, I guess it'll be good, but I the problem is you can't really right now, by the way. Uh, yeah, well we're doing this on zoom. So lucky you, um, can anyway. I say something encouraging? What's that? I actually kind of like the, I mean, I don't know how to say it. the number of segments that they're using is a little much. I like the formula though, of, of kind of every segment means something. And at the end they're going to, you know, have this, you know, add up the positions and they're going to do inverts and this. And then at the end, they're going to line them up on this. And you I like, like that? the fact why do you that, like that? Why? Because I think it, it, it encourages guys to raise. And if you're the problem with inverts is often is if a guy's got like an eighth place car in an all star race that doesn't work points, he's a, he's more inclined to just kind of back off and try to play the game of getting yourself in a position where you can get you know you can get the invert to go forward. You can't do that in this way. And I also like the fact that they're rewarding the pit crew guys you know with a hundred thousand dollars for fastest pit stop. Well, what are you going to do? Pass. You can't pass to Texas. They're encouraging people to pass. You can't well, pass to Texas anyway. You can though in this in the in a fifteen lap segments that you're doing, the field is going to be bunched up enough where you're going to have guys making bonsai three wide moves into the corners and maybe you know not a, not afraid to put a bumper to somebody. I, I do. Think I can't believe you support this math format. I, 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 are are you saying are you going to do the calculations or are you just going to wait for Bob Bacchus no, no, on Twitter to add him up with his spreadsheet? No, that that is the problem, and, and I mean that that is the problem I have with this is while I I don't like this, I can under, I, there's pieces of this I agree with. In the big picture, to me, I'm a I'm a kiss person. Keep it simple, stupid. And if you have but a you casual, just said you like this format with inverts and math, and then just, you're saying you're a keep it simple person. This is more contradictory than last week where you named De Benedetto your driver so, of the week after you bashed him for the whole okay. podcast. Not everything is black and white. Some things there's there's a lot of shades of gray. Not everything is great. Not everything is bad. Sometimes you know there can be a hodgepodge, Jeff, of good and bad. And, and, and the bad for me is I'm not I don't like a race where somebody tunes in and they're then you know they're a casual fan. And it's like. 
well, wait a second. What is going on here? This doesn't make sense to me. To be honest with you, the whole all-star race thing in general, I was done with this years ago. Like I am, this race does nothing for me. Every, you know, you're not seeing anything about this race than you don't see most weeks. You know, it, what, what does this race offer? It doesn't race points. It, it just eats up another week on the schedule. And you're going to, it's just, it's like get under glow lights and slid back numbers. Don't yeah. do it for you. No, not absolutely not. Now the only way to like salvage this thing at all. And, and this is not a novel idea. This has been bandied about on, on social media. Nate Ryan tweeted about this week. And I, I wrote about it before is that the only way to ever make this, uh, this race special again is to take it to places that you don't normally go to, you know, just outside the box. We're going to Bowman gray stadium and we're going to take the top, 12 or 15 guys, however we're determining it and they're going after it and it's going to be a 50 lap race and it's going to be a free for all that would get people excited. But just having a, people are going to tune into this race and they're like, Oh, this, this looks like a normal intermediate track race that we typically see. And just, that's the only way to salvage this race. Otherwise just get rid of it. It's just, it's well past its prime. I agree with you. There's well, I, I have a lot of thoughts on, other formats that could have been done for it, but oh, I'd like to hear this. Please share. Well, uh, no, well, I think we should just wait no. till the All Star Week of. <laughs> oh, you want to hear? Yes, I want to hear. People are clamoring for this. They love your no, opinion on this thing. No, first of all, you should make it an All Star race where, like, the actual. It's not just the same, mostly the same field every week. You can still have an open race with two spots, but it's only the winners, um, like actual winners from the last calendar year, plus sure. the Xfinity Series champion, plus the. A camping world truck series champion. Yes, I love this idea. I have an idea too. I think we're on the same page to see. This is why we need to talk more. You can even bring, um, let the, uh, you know, Mexico series champion or Euro series champion or, you know, modified champion, give them a ride in the open or something. Let them try to race their way in. Sure. Um, you know, you can, and, and I think that to do eliminations would be the way to go either through heat races, you know, mm -hmm. because when you have the whole field and you say, okay, we're just going to stop the race stop the race again, stop the race again, do heat races where you eliminate people or eliminate people on the track during the race where they have to drop off until you are down to, you know, three or four people left and do a five lap shootout. Um, do something to make it a true all-star event rather than like this complicated math formula that, cause remember last time I did math, even TV got it wrong. They showed us <laughs> yeah, the wrong average that, yeah. finish and people were complaining about it, the math, then they lined up wrong. And it was just, you know, again, I, I I'm not a fan of the race either. I don't. I think it's outlived its usefulness. Um, but that would be my my format idea. Can I throw you my wild harebrained idea? Uh huh. And this, I've, I've said this before, and I may have said this on this podcast before, and for the clash, I want to see drivers from the Cup Series, Xfinity Series, and the Truck Series on the same track at once. It has to be a road course in their vehicles. So there'd be Cup cars. There's Xfinity cars. And there's the trucks and it's basically kind of ran like a sports car where you've got different classes, but they're all on the road course at once competing. You can different, you know, devise it however you want with the stages and whatever, I, you know, we talk about that, but that to me would be interesting seeing a cup car try to navigate through traffic. Cause he's passing a truck that would be different enough that might get people excited. Yeah, I guess unless what if uh, Xfinity cars were faster or something or yeah, that would be, be interesting. Bad. You know, <laughs> um, anyway, we somehow got on this topic from talking about IndyCar, but, uh, <laughs> apologies to the IndyCar fans who were looking for more of a discussion than Texas stinks. But, um, I will, I do want to recent, you know, briefly go back, I guess, um, and talk about Scott McLaughlin because it was his first ever oval race Saturday night. 
and he ended up P2 to Scott Dixon. Um, you know, it's, I think, you know, Scott McLaughlin comes over from uh, Australia supercars and you're like, well, he's probably going to be pretty good on the road courses and, you know, have a chance to win there. But let's see how he does on ovals. And then he's able to go out and get um, P2 on a, a difficult oval um, at Texas with those circumstances. So um, that was pretty cool. I thought for, Can for I throw a hot take at you. Uh huh. And I, and I'm pro and I don't mean to diminish anybody and in, in anything, but Scott McLaughlin finishing second at, at Texas in his only third series Indy fourth Indy car series start, first oval start. Fernando Alonso coming over, never starting on an oval, almost winning the Indy 500. Probably would have if he wouldn't have blown an engine. Kurt Busch coming over, making his first start in the Indy 500, finishing sixth. Are we? How do I say this? I mean, is it? Is it how? I mean. Is it challenging to, to come over and, and run well in an oval in an Indy car? I mean, I'm not trying to like we, – we're seeing many examples of guys hopping in competitive cars and knocking out really good finishes with little to no experience. Oh, I think it I think it speaks to their talent rather than that sure, it's that's easy fair. to do. Um, uh, yeah, I don't mean easy. That, that, that That's incorrect, and I apologize for that. That's not, that's not fair. No, I, I just – I mean, I think these are world-class – individuals, Kurt Busch, Fernando Alonso, Scott McLaughlin. I mean, you put them in a car, um, a good car and, and yeah, it's a new, a new kind of discipline for them, but you know, it's not like they're going from they, Hey, they've only ever gone four turns and now they're doing a 12 turn road course. They're doing, they are used to doing like road <laughs> courses and they come and do, you know, four turns. They're like, Hey, it's not that bad. So, yeah, I don't know, but I mean, to me, I'm not, I'm not obviously road coaches are challenging, but to me running 230 at Indianapolis motor speedway or running is incredibly harrowing and it, it takes a, a special kind of fortitude We're going to Texas. And as we discussed, which is a track that you, you turn, you put a wheel up too high and you're in trouble because the track is, is brutal. I, it, it's, it's challenging. And I think it's, it's interesting to me though, that these guys, we we've seen this now where guys come over and they're instantly, you know, having success. I just, I find it interesting. That's all. Let's talk about formula one. Um, did, were you able to watch the Portugal race today? We didn't, we didn't really talk about it yet. Uh, yeah, I, watched it. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. It was a really, it wasn't the Mercedes domination that we, you know, where they just, they whooped everybody's butt. I mean, Red Bull was in the ballpark, but this was the first race we've seen this year where there was kind of a, it, it, it didn't feel like Red Bull, was really on e on even ground with Mercedes. It just felt like Mercedes had a little bit of advantage this weekend. Botas won the pole. Hamilton won the race. Uh, you know, Verstappen was in the mix, but just again, never felt like he was really up to winning. Yeah, it was interesting because so Botas wins the pole, and he starts off, and of course, you know, no offense to Botas fans or whatever, but you're pretty much watching the race, and you have like no faith that Botas is going to be able to pull off. Uh, a victory right now. I mean, that's not very fair to say, but just, um, you know, the hot seat that he's on, the pressure he's under, um, the fact that he hasn't really been able to get it done very often. You're just like, well, at some point somebody's going to pass them, whether it's either, you know, Lewis or Max or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, but then, you know, I, I think that when I, when I see that Max was creeping up on him and you're like, Oh, okay. You know, Max is going to have something here for a minute. I did think Red Bull, you know, was going to, was going to be their typical selves, you know, that we've seen in the first few races mm -hmm. where they're like, okay, they're a worthy challenger. But by the end of the race, like you said, um, Lewis made that great pass, by the way, on, 
on Botas once he got in the DRS and just whipped around him into the corner. That was he's pretty so cool. Good. I, just, he's amazing. I find a new re- he's just he's so impressive. Every race I find a new reason why he just blows my mind of how impressive he is. I think he's underrated. I don't think people appreciate him enough. So, but by the end of the race, you know, he ends up, you know, it's another Lewis win or whatever, right? And you're like, maybe the whole Red Bull thing isn't as good as advertised. Like like you're saying like I don't know. I you know, you sort of didn't feel like there was ever a chance where Max was ever really going to be able to challenge him. If it was, if it was Lewis and Max going head to head, you know, I think everybody wants it to be this great battle between the two this year and this ongoing back and forth season long thing. But, and I think certainly Mercedes has more of a challenge on their hands for sure than, than in recent years since, especially since like Ferrari fell off and stuff. But, um, I don't know. I just, you, you just feel like it's it's Lewis's Hamil- Lewis Hamilton's uh, championship to lose at this point, still as as always, right? Yeah, I would agree with that. And this is the first time that Ver- Verstappen has ever been in a world championship fight, and, and that that is it, it's it's really hard to step up in class like he's going to have to to go head to head with Hamilton. Hamilton is not a driver who's going to have ma- make many mistakes and doesn't give you many opportunities to score points on him in bunches. So you you have to be darn near flawless every single race and. To Max's credit, even on an off day for Red Bull, he's still left with a second place finish, you know, which very much puts him in the championship mix. But it, it, while Mercedes is certainly not what they to the level they were, and Red Bull is better, Mercedes is still really, I mean, still the best team right now, and, and Hamilton is still Hamilton. And I, I just don't know if Verstappen has enough in him in his first world championship fight to take to take it to Hamilton like we expect him to. Next year, maybe it's a different story, but this year and the first time he's been in this scenario, I, I think it's going to be challenged. I think it's going to be tough. Jordan, who wins your Bianchi Binky Award or whatever ah. we're calling it for the driver of the day after Matt Benedetto got the inaugural award last week? Uh, you know, I'm going to give it to Kevin Harvick. Uh, we, we have been on them this year. We, we know that they are not the, the team that they were a year ago when they dominated everybody. We know that that organization, the way it's structured, they just they've lost a lot in, in terms of driver feedback. And it's really kind of Harvick and Rodney Childers carrying the way right now. I, I didn't expect much at Kansas. We, we saw what they've been this year. But for them to leave with a second place finish, there, there is a fight in this team. You can say what you want about the, this team and what they do and how they operate and whatever you want about Kevin Harvick and his career. They, they do not quit. They are fight. They are fighters. They are gritty. They knock out the best finishes they can every single week. And to me, for them leaving Kansas with a second place finish, which seems really weird because this is one of Harvick's best tracks. To me, this is something to build off of that. You know what? They've been pretty good. We talked about the split, the 550, the 750 split. They've been pretty good on the flat tracks this year. They were pretty good at, you know, at, uh, at, at Richmond. And they, they've had some competitive moments. They were competitive at Martinsville for a little bit. This, to me, seems like this is a way to kind of get over that hump. And while they're not back to that level they were, they are certainly much closer to it than they, they have been. So Harvick leaves Kansas second last fall, and it's demoralizing after losing to Joey Logano <laughs> and not point. being able to, to pass him. <laughs> this time, he leaves Kansas uh, the very next time, and it's something to build on after <laughs> they had fallen off the cliff. Funny That's how great. things change. That is that is a great great point. That is very smart. Uh, speaking of very my, smart, can I give you another award? Can I give you an award too? Because that's that's a really good point. Oh, okay, yeah, I'll take any awards. 
but I don't actually don't need any awards because last week was a big win for me. Yeah, and he was it a good race poll. Um, you missed it by quite a lot where I missed it only by a little bit. So, uh, I've, I've narrowed, I'm, I'm within one, it's five, uh, six to five overall with the season. Yeah. And, um, also I've also narrowed the tiebreaker, but this is a, this is going to be a challenging one. This Kansas one is a tricky, tricky one. And I know <laughs> I have to go first. Um, but here's, here's going to be my thinking on this, Jordan. So I think that there's, it's probably going to be a 10 to 15% penalty perhaps for the tire call, the tire caution. Okay. I actually think that there's a decent amount of fans based on what I'm seeing on Twitter. P- Twitter was very, very, very upset. They were with fired that call. up. A lot of fire. Very upset. As I could understand when I first did it, until I talked to the drivers, we talked to drivers afterwards. You're like, okay, this is what they all expected. As we said, then that kind of softens it. Um, but I think that's going to, that's going to be a penalty. Uh, there's also a Kyle Busch penalty that I always think is about five to 10% when he wins a race, although this wasn't one that he dominated and won by any stretch. Your formula for figuring this out, by the way, is more complicated than the all-star race formula. No, that's, that's literally the only two things that I'm going to say is like a penalty. Um, I just think that's going to reduce the score by potentially, um, let's say a total of 20%, right? So when you consider that it wasn't really a good race until, uh, the end of stage one, the restart of stage two, and then, the craziness once the tire thing happened, I guess that did make it sort of a crazy race. I don't know about good race, but crazy race, right? That a lot of things happened then that would have salvaged it, you know, maybe normally into the high seventies, but I, I think, you know, you're end up, you're going to end up in the, in the low sixties potentially. So, uh, I'm ultimately going to say this was a 66%. Oh, for Kansas. Okay. Uh, a couple things. One, uh, as soon as I said my number last week at Talladega, I, I realized, and I said it on the podcast, I, I screwed up. I, I wanted to say 85. I, I, I kid you not. I had I was like a, a, a Bravo housewife. I had regrets about decisions that I had made, and I thought about this all week long. I don't know. I, what the, I don't watch Bravo housewives. Oh, they're just always they're always mad about decisions they made. It's a horrible show. You it's watch Bravo. You watch Real Housewives on I, Bravo. I have seen an episode. It's a good excuse to have a good glass of wine and hang out with some ladies. I will take it. <laughs> That's it. That's okay. it. I can tell you stories, but we're on a, on a kid-friendly podcast. I'm not going to do that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> look at your face right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to calculate if. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, go um, ahead. I'm, please. I'm sorry. I interrupted that. No, I made mistakes last week. I have regrets. Okay. I'm sorry this week. So I, I, I kicked myself all week. Like I, it's honest to God, it, it bothered me it, way more than this stupid godforsaken poll should. Um, it bothered me. And so everything you said, I think you had a good number. I'm going to go 55%. Cause this, I, I just think people are going to, I, 55%. That's my number. That's pretty low. It's pretty low. It is, but I don't know what, I mean, we had some moments. The end was interesting. The end of stage one was really good. But I mean, we were texting it during stage one. I mean, it was, there were some tough moments. Stage two wasn't much to write home about. I just, this is, and it's an intermediate track. We know how these people, you know, how, how fans look at these races. 
I'm going to go 55, and I honestly feel pretty comfortable with that. Yeah, you're kind of talking me into it. A little late for me, obviously. Yeah. But you're uh, you're making some good points there. I will say, um, for reference, uh, the Kansas race that really, really, really made everybody super mad last year when uh, Logano just blocked a blocked and it yep. sort of exposed the rules package for what it was. Um, that got a 40.8%. Oh, so okay. y- you would think that there's no way it would be, you know, yeah. in the forties, I think fifties or sixties is reasonable. Now we'll find out who's closer and who adds to their tally. And of course we will be doing that, uh, next week when we talk about the Darlington race, which you may be in attendance. Is that what I, I will be there for sure. 100%. Wow. Yes. Exciting. Uh, Exciting. Yeah, I'm excited. I bet it's in. The nice NASCAR thing is, is opening the yes. garage to uh, vaccinated people, which you are. As am I am I. vaccinated, I've been vaccinated now for it'll be a month uh, tomorrow. I'm excited to be at Darlington. Excited to kind of get back to back the, in the, the garage. Club. Yes, for the, the first the time cl- since Daytona 500 2020. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, I was kind of sort of in the garage at Atlanta last year. Like I was kind of right up to the garage and everything, but not in the garage, but. Yeah, it, it feels I'm really excited and it's going to be interesting to see what it's like. It's it feels the closest to normal I felt in a long time, to be completely honest. Man, you're going to be you're going to be working the garage in the South Carolina heat, fully dressed be... in your throwback. OK, Couple outfit. Things. OK, yeah. So how throwback? I should ask you this question. So there's no throwback theme this year, is there? Yeah. I don't think so. Oh, oh I see what you're saying. Like, you mean it's not like the yeah. 90s or whatever. I think it's yeah, just yeah. throwback. Right, right, So right. should I dress up for throwback? Because I've actually thought about a normal outfit that I was going to wear. I've actually thought about this for weeks. And like, hey, this is, you know, you got to br- you got to bring out the best, you know? You got to bring out the nice loafers, the jackets, you the do? hat. I'm sorry. Some of, you're married. You don't care what you look like. You're fine. Oh, some so you're us, doing you this know. for the ladies just like you watch Real Housewives for the ladies? Hey, is it the same thing? If you were single... You would be, you would, if someone, if you were single and, and some lady friends invited you to a housewife party, you would say no. No, I, I, no, I don't think I would say no. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, but is yeah, that why so, you're dressing a throwback to, to impress well, like the ladies to the part, of you know? Darlington? Well, that's the question. How throwback do I go for Darlington? I mean, do I throw it back? I, I mean, I've got some I mean, you just wear like your normal clothes. I wouldn't wear a throwback. I don't care. Well, I mean, but you say I'm no fun, so. Well, I was just gonna say your fun meter is like stuck on zero. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't really get into the. Uh, this is the the. First of all, the the throwback thing should be around the Southern 500. I reject that this is throwback weekend just because yeah, they're already yeah. the Southern 500. That's a playoff race, so we don't want to make that the. So we wouldn't want to make that the throwback weekend and distract from the playoff race. So now, even though that's the Southern 500 where the whole throwback thing got built up around, let's just make it onto some random Mother's Day weekend just because it's an old track. <laughs> okay, throwback. So no, I wouldn't wear a throwback. Okay. I feel like we should, like, every week we should have, like, a Jeff Gluck just rant, and we just got it. It's so good. This is this week's rant. Why the throwback weekend sucks, and it needs to be in September, and you're doing it all wrong. Plus, we got one about the tire. I, I just love the podcast just for Jeff's rant. So thank you. Well, I'm glad you got what you came for today. Everybody, we'll see what uh, pops up next week to get mad about or whatever. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on the teardown.